gefallen. <laughs> so in case you couldn't tell, that was the sound of the Jets sweeping away the Oilers in four games. <laughs> go Jets, um, go! Yeah, so I think we're going to have to kick things off talking about the Jets, but uh, I guess I will go through the rounds. I'm going to skip the song this time, but I am your host, Robin Coymans. I'm not drinking beer this time, but I am drinking a smoothie with a little bit of rum in it, so that does the trick anyway. Um, we've got Devin Granger all the way from Xi'an, China. Devin, can you tell us how you're feeling, how you're, uh, how you're doing right now, not just after a big Leafs victory, but being all the way in China quarantining right now? Yeah, um, honestly, I'm doing well today. Yesterday was a little bit rough. Like, the day started feeling pretty good right after the Leafs game, which I'm watching in the morning, so around like 10.30 a.m. Felt the need to take a little nap. Fell asleep for a short nap and woke up at 6 p.m. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, jet lag. But uh, no, it's all working out. I'm getting on tracks and feeling pretty good. Oh, glad to hear. Um, Wyatt, you're still in Winnipeg as far as I know. How are you doing? What are you drinking? Doing pretty good (laughs) after the first ever jet sweep of a team. Woo! (laughs) Fuck it, Oilers! Now, when you say a team, you mean like a team, not not an A-grade team, right? Well, everyone predicted, like, what is it? Oilers in four, Oilers in five, Oilers in six. And then nobody predicted Jets in four. Woo! Shows how much prognosticators know. I am riding so (laughs) high right now. I, I am honestly flying. It has been unbelievable. Much like a jet. But, uh... Yeah, honestly, let's get into it. The Jets, that was insane. Um, three straight games of OT winning, just like epically heroic performances from their players, especially Blake Wheeler, like right off the bat, taking taking a puck to the dick and uh, <laughs> just getting up and skating it off and being ready to go like 20 minutes later or something like that and just like playing 36 minutes that game. Like that's a captain. <laughs> I gotta say, um, what was that quote, Wyatt, that Wheeler put out about uh, about taking the puck to the groin region? Uh, he already has three kids, so he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> he doesn't need that area anymore. <laughs> so I think I think he got hit in like the last. It was like the last minute, I think, of the game. So it was like a game-saving sacrifice. And then, yeah, obviously had to go off and then came back for overtime. Unreal. What a, what a gamer. Yeah, so the hockey world is shocked. I, I'm happy. I'm ecstatic. The Jets are my second favorite team. But Wyatt, for you, with the Jets is your, is your favorite team, like I can just feel the joy spilling, spilling out through the screen right now, um, even though we're almost – well, like – almost 24 hours, I guess we're like 20 hours since it happened or so. Um, <laughs> yeah, came in at 1 a.m. <laughs> did you stay up and watch the entirety of that game, Wyatt? I did, and I knew I was going to regret it because I knew that they were going to lose. <laughs> and then I would, because that last time the Jets went, it was the longest game in Jets franchise 2.0 history. 
the last, the next, or I guess in the playoff run they had in 2018, Kevin Fiala from the uh, glorious Nashville Predators ended there, ended that game in double OT. So I was like, it's not a good track record. They're not, it's, they're not great in longer games, except this time they were because Edmonton only played four players for the entirety <laughs> of overtime. So that was convenient, but yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was staying up and I was like, every time McDavid or Drysaddle would touch the puck, I would, I would get really scared. And then, you know, really good active sticks, uh, a little bit of clutching and grabbing, like, you know, no rules, like, you know, prison rules over time is great. And like crazily, it was a turnover by McDavid in the, like, right, like around the blue line that sent Connor in and, 39-old Mike, Mike Smith couldn't uh, couldn't shut the door, and he looked he looked really hurt. I felt bad for Mike Smith. He looked really sad, but yeah, because like what else could he can't score? So like what else could he? And aside from that eight-minute stretch in the third period of Game Three, Mike Smith was a pretty damn good goalie in that series. I've got to say, <laughs> so it's it's tough for him for sure. Um, so how do you think the Jets were able to pull this off? And Devin, I don't know if you watched much of the the Jets Oilers series. I know you've been you've been pretty busy with uh, leaving the country. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Like maybe 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 I'll let Wyatt take the lead on uh, your on the Jets analysis for for a little bit longer. So Wyatt, how do you think they were able to do this? Because this is this is epic. This is just absolutely completely unexpected. Um, I did think the Jets had a, a decent chance in the series, but I still not in my wildest dreams would have thought a four nothing victory. Yeah, I think I think Wheeler put it best. It's like the the thinnest of margins was the reason why the Jets won. Like every get three of those games are decided by one shot, or you could argue you could argue all four of the games are decided by one shot, right? Because the Jets had two empty net goals in Game One, but like you flip a coin or you get a, like, you know, you put, you put the puck past Hellebuck one of those times, it's not going to be a, it's not going to be a sweep. So it's like the closest sweep ever. So I don't necessarily, I think it's a lot closer than what people thought they thought it was going to be like when three out of the four games go to overtime, that's, that's a close series, regardless of if it's a, if it's a sweep or not. But yeah, I just think, I think two things, I think Hellebuck played out of his mind. Uh, and the defense like stood up. I was like, what, where was this all season? And, like they were like Morrissey is like hitting people. They had so many like sticks on McDavid and Drysaddle. They didn't really take any penalties. Uh, and like, they were confident with the puck. It was like, it was like a switch was flipped. So it's really cool to see like the depth actually work out when pe- people kept saying, Oh, it's clearly the depth of the jets versus like, how good the two players from Edmonton are, but like, yeah, I was impressed with how they pulled it off and like, it was, yeah, I'm speechless. It's amazing. Um, for those of you who are listening, which is all of you, Granger just got into a much more comfortable seductive pose on his, on his ho- hotel bed in China. Um, I'll paint a picture even a bit more vividly. He's wearing a nice uh, Thailand v- deep V muscle shirt that is leaving nothing to the imagination. So um, Wyatt and I are both feasting our eyes right now. Um, and, but yeah. and he's probably, probably listening in right now and loving it. <laughs> 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 uh, 
but yeah, the so the Jets like huge performances from from Hellebuck, from Wheeler, from Shifley in that game four. He was just on fire. Um, Did you Morrissey, see like, the prettiest goal of the first round? I think easily, like Wheeler stealing the puck from Ethan Bear, Dipsy doodling around the the D, passes it to Connor, back passes it to Shifley. No one's around Shifley. He could walk in if he wanted to and just wires it in a one-timer, like right past Smith. That was just per- perfection. It was beautiful. Yeah, Devin? So I just want to add on to Wyatt's answer as to why the Jets were able to sweep um, the Oilers. And yes, kudos and props given to the Jets. But let's also talk about the weaknesses of the Oilers as being a reason. <laughs> and that has to do with uh, depth. I just don't think that they had any secondary scoring and could compete with the depth of the Jets. And once you had the Lowry line shutting down McDavid and Dreisaitl, that was pretty much it. But that narrative has been spoken of many times. But I just wanted to bring it back up again. and even extend the question to you guys like what do you think the Oilers need to do and do you see them being a lot more competitive next year well I'll address that I think it's as simple as McDavid basically put up two points a game in the regular season he only put up one point a game in the playoffs and they have shown that they need him to be putting up basically two points a game to win and those games were so close there were three overtime games if McDavid had seven points in the series so far, it would probably be tied two two, and that's not to put the the shoulder. That's not to say like McDavid should have done that. This is his fault. They didn't win the series. That's insane. Obviously, they need better depth to support him. But if you did see that he had a there was like a press conference with McDavid and Nurse afterwards where he was saying, "Look, we don't need to blow it up. We were right there. I thought we actually played pretty well. We were just not getting." the right bounces and they like you said Wyatt it's the closest sweep statistically like analytically speaking that there has been um and that I think I think it's fair to say is an indictment of both teams in a way like it's an indictment of the Jets that they basically played well as as much of an indictment as you can issue against a team that just swept another team but they just played basically their game plan to perfection in the first two games of just like low event hockey until they were able to get Ehlers and to a lesser extent PLD back and then just like let it fly a little bit more. Um, And I don't know. I just think the Oilers, I've never been that impressed with them. I think really just in the regular season, you get more power plays and that's where they shine. And so it's not surprising that a team that feasted so much on the power play in the regular season struggled a bit more in the playoffs. Um, Wyatt? Yeah, I think uh, there is a crit, like, especially when, and then you shorten your bench. And I just never understood, I guess, never understood, like, why Tippett would do that. But I guess, like, if you're Ethan Bear and you give up that tying goal, you're just, you're, he's not playing for the rest of the game, right? So, uh, until like the third overtime where he came on and then uh, uh, and then basically prevented Wheeler from scoring. So, but yeah, I think, I think for the, 
the Oilers just don't have the depth that the Jets have. And I don't know if it's like cap related issues where you're paying like McDavid, what, 12.5 mil yeah. a year? Yeah. And I guess maybe Dressel is more of a team friendly deal. But like, yeah, if you're relying on a $1 million 39 year old like goalie where your backup is making 4.5 mil, like, like that's not good. <laughs> so I think it's like, I don't think it's necessarily McDavid's issue. I think it's just a poorly managed team. And like Ken Holland is second, third year at the helm around there. So I think he, I think this is going to be a big off season for him. And I think he'll, he'll probably bring in a bunch of pieces and then get rid of like Neil and those other bad contracts, hopefully. Uh, But yeah, I think the Oilers were just a couple of death pieces away uh, from that but like you, as you can tell like the fourth line basically one game one for the Jets the third line pretty much shut down McDavid and Dreisaitl and like what did Gaten Haas do or like uh, <laughs> Jujar Kara right who like they, and those guys just didn't play in overtime I think in the first prison period Jujar Kara played one shift like really like that's sustainable that is not sustainable even if you beat the Jets how are you gonna how are you gonna like beat the Leafs or any other better team from that yeah um a couple of things I wanted to add to that like you're talking about um we'll talk about Dave Tippett first and then Ken Holland so Dave Tippett um pretty old school mentality I think and a lot of the times I don't disagree with like your best players or your best players play them as much as you can but when you're playing back-to-back games triple overtime I don't know. I think you have to try and get some of the other guys who have fresher legs into the game and give them a chance, give them a chance to make some plays. Cause I imagine guys like Jujar Kara, Ethan bear, they're probably not feeling too confident just because of the way that they've been deployed and knowing that they have such a short leash. If they make one mistake, they don't have a chance to get back out onto the ice. And I look at the kind of the flip side of that, looking at how Sheldon Keith kind of handled Rasmus Sandin earlier in the Leafs Habs series, which we'll, we'll get to in more detail very soon, but uh, although I guess Sandine was a healthy scratch this past game, but he, before he got healthy scratched, he got a chance to go back in and score score a big power play goal in game two, and uh, yeah, just different ways of dealing with a player who's made mistakes. You don't want to just destroy their confidence immediately. Give them a chance to redeem themselves. Um, I think that's a healthier way to approach things, but uh, maybe it's not as much of an old school mentality, and uh just quickly on Ken Holland I I think he has been at the helm for two years now and a lot of Oilers fans seem very happy with the work he's done but honestly like what has he done he hasn't really done anything in terms of additions like any of the roster pieces that he's filled in have been pretty much interchangeable um the only reason the Oilers have gotten a little bit better is because McDavid and Drysaddle have elevated their games to insane levels that were before they weren't able they were still really good but they were only mere 100 point players before then now they're like 150 point players and there's been some natural aging progression for guys like Darnell Nurse and uh yeah it's just it's weird that Ken Holland has has been kind of heaped with this level of praise and it's easy to say that in retrospect after four nothing sweep but I also just think like at the beginning of the year we looked at their depth chart and we were like this does not look good um so Devin I think you wanted to jump in yeah not to make this like you know uh like a full discussion on Oilers because it'd be fun to do like another chat later on about 
where the Oilers are going and what it looks like next year. But just really quick, they do have next year, according to Cap Friendly, $23 million worth of cap space available. And that's including adding Oscar Clefbaum and his $4 million back onto the roster. There's just three forward positions that they need to fill in. They'll have guys like Dylan Holloway, who I think will add a gritty two-way game. And then Evan Bouchard will probably get, obviously, ice time, which I don't think he played in the playoffs. And then Philip Broberg. So there's, like, some pieces there. Um, but, like, they need to, like, get this right. Um, it is perplexing. Like, Toronto has three players over $10 million, and they're able to put together a second, third, and fourth line that are all that are able to play. Imagine if you just had a some competent depth with McDavid putting up an average of two points a game and you had competent depth with that, it'd be terrifying, absolutely terrifying to play them. So they should be able to figure this out. Um, yeah, I guess that's what I would say, but good, uh, good sweep by the Jets. So, uh, Wyatt, do you have any any last words about the Oilers, about the Jets, before we move on to uh, the game we just watched? Uh, I think a lot of people, and like this is like uh, pretty, I guess, par for the course. Don't really give Winnipeg that much respect, and they don't necessarily think that Jets are like that good because like this the streakiness and the scuffling, and I think they're turning it on at the right time, and at points in that in like. Like that, I don't know. I don't care who you are. Maybe Leafs fans might be a little bit upset over this, but like when you have a team that is like down and out 10 minutes to go down four, one and ties it up like that's, that's scary. Like if it, if you have a team that can come back in 10 minutes left and tie it up and then win it, like that's, I think I hope people are like on notice of what's going to happen if they play the the jets because they, they can like turn it on like that. So it just, it's just making sure I'm like nervous for how long of a break they're going to have <laughs> Because I think that might that might hurt them in the long run, but like I'm I'm glad that hopefully they'll be like this is how good Winnipeg could have been if like Shifley didn't get injured in the first five minutes of the game last year, right? So or the playoffs last year. So I'm excited for them. I, I hope we get to play uh, the team that won today. So it'll be I think that'll be a really I think that'll be a really good series. Um, and what a segue into <laughs> what yeah. you're gonna talk. And that's funny because I was myself going to try and make a segue about uh, the, the Jets bruising the, the Oilers and speaking of teams <laughs> that have been bruised, let's talk about the Leafs. But uh, um, yeah, the Leafs so far, I don't know. I'm a Leafs fan, so I, I have to be very careful with my words and hesitant about how excited I get because I've been burned so many times. Devin, you've been burned so many times. Like we just, we know pain. Um pain is being a Leafs fan suffering is getting too optimistic about the team and then having it just crash and burn in your face. But I do want to be happy right now based on what I've been seeing. Um, so yeah, obviously we just watched Jack Campbell pitch a shutout 32 safe shutout. That's awesome. They're up three to one on the Habs. The Habs are not looking like they're posing much of a challenge right now. Um, and the Leafs depth is actually doing most of the work. Because, like, aside from one game, the Leafs haven't really seen much out of their top line, and yet they're still up three to one in the series. So, I'm pretty happy right now. Devin, how are you feeling? Yeah, I'm also quite happy, and but I do have a little bit of like, a, I don't know why I, I need to 
to feel this way, but despite the fact that we're winning, I still am like, ah, but it would be nice to have Felino and Tavares, like, get back into some games, you know, like, um, I know Tavares is, with that horrific injury, probably going to be out for the rest of the playoffs, but at the very least, Felino, I just, I want to see, like, what we can do with a full team, you know, that's just kind of like the excited part of me that's like, we're not, you know, we're not full Super Sand mode yet, and we're already, like, rocking through Montreal. For sure. And uh, we're also rocking through Montreal when Carey Price is playing, like, insane next-level goaltending, too. So I have to say, like, even if in this last game he didn't make any superhuman, absolutely absurd saves, he still made some damn, some pretty damn good ones. And this whole series, it's felt like um, the Leafs have to do something, like, ridiculous or special to beat him. And yet they're still doing it. They, that just shows, like, I don't know, they, they, they're just playing the right way. They're playing with confidence. Willie Nylander is looking unreal so far this series um he's just like when you watch him skate he's moving so much more fluidly and faster than anyone else on the ice it's great to see um Wyatt I know you don't really have much skin in the game for this series but uh how how are you feeling after watching this last game if you watched some of it why why do you not play Cole Caulfield and Romanoff <laughs> and Kakemniemi in game one. What's what's wrong with you? Like, are you trying to lose? <laughs> like, like you, the Cole Caulfield who scored what two overtime winners against the Leafs? Is that true? I don't um, know if it was against, but I can't remember if they were both against the Leafs. Do you remember Granger? At least one was against the Leafs. Yeah. Like what? Like what are you doing? Like, is your cap? Like, there is no cap in the playoffs. Like, what you're just <laughs> doing this to like to like piss off the fans? <laughs> like. Like, what are you going to play? Eric Stahl? Like, why? Like, like old old people in hockey just don't – are not productive. And, like, hey, Toronto fans are just hey, so Joe well. Thornton just potted a beautiful goal at age 42. Jason Spezza lit up the, the Habs just, like, left, right, and center at age, like, 38 or something, 37, 38. Past, the puck was going past the net, and it accidentally hit him and went in. Okay, cool. Good job. Good job, Joe. All right, so – like uh, <laughs> just veteran positioning <laughs> uh but like yeah play the play the young guns but like i don't know i don't think montreal they look defeated to not playing well he's not scoring and if to not scoring that team is sputtering so um i'm hoping you guys can close it out um and then not have to go back to montreal where probably a super spreader would happen in game six so let's oh <laughs> because <laughs> that would be not great but <laughs> so maybe that's even added more incentive to that but yeah i think like i think the two deepest teams are the jets and the leafs so it makes sense that those two teams were probably going to meet later in the playoffs anyways well i i'm not going to say it but i'll let you say it since you don't skin <laughs> the game but again, what? yeah, we, we have to we have to close it out in game five because that 2,500 fan experience in Montreal is just going to be too much to overcome. So who, uh, who hurt you? Like what? <laughs> the Leafs. I've already said this. De- Devin, you wanted to add? Yeah, I guess um, just a few standout players on the Leafs that kind of surprised me so far. Uh, stepping up their game would be Enval, Kerfoot. Um, I really liked what they've done. 
And uh, overall, our, our penalty kill has been like exceptional. I think we completely shut out the Habs. That being said, like there really is nobody on the Habs that I'm afraid of. And that's just based on the play that I'm seeing. Like, I mean, Cole Caulfield, when he gets the puck on his stick, yeah, that definitely puts me on edge, but we don't really see him a whole lot because <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> get played a whole lot. But um, thanks to yeah, Sean. it's just, I like, now I'm kind of already thinking ahead, which I shouldn't be. It's probably just because we're having this podcast now, but what it would be like to have to play like a mobile defensive team that the Jets have, for example, and like, the type of sharpshooters that they clearly have, uh, like Shifley, um, you know, like in their playoff form, not just the regular season form, you know, like that's yeah, definitely going to be a lot different. I was going to say mobile defensive team is not necessarily the way we'd, we would normally describe the Jets, but based on the four game playoff sample size, they actually look pretty mobile. Well, compared to the Montreal too, like the big bruising sit back and let the Toronto Maple Leafs just stay in your zone for like five minutes consecutively just throwing pucks on net. I think the jets are going to be able to move the puck a lot better and like enter and jump into the play a lot more than just Jeff Petrie. So do you guys, do you guys think um, that firing Claude Julian and getting Dom Descharmes in charge of the Habs was a mistake then by Bergevin? I, I, I don't know what's worse. So is a firing Claude Julian was like a third into the year, halfway through the year. I don't know. It was like yeah, pretty I think early. They were, I think they were like nine, five, and three when he was fired. Yeah, after like they lost like three games in a row or something like that. After they like went on a crazy, like awesome heater to start the year. Yeah. So I don't know what's worse that or not playing Cole Caulfield. And then when he gets to play, you double shift him and you pretty much put him on the ice in the like for the for game two and just like ride him and try trying to like score and like score goals. Like what? what are you doing? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. And I feel like Bergevin has a crazy con- tight grip on this team. And I don't know if I would completely trust Bergevin. Yeah. And one thing I wanted to add um, when Devin was talking about the power play and how well the penalty kill has been, I actually think Montreal fans are probably more afraid of the Leafs when they go on a power play than Leafs fans are of the Habs. Right now it's looking like the Leafs are the more dangerous team when they have four skaters out, which is just absolutely insane. But it doesn't even uh, it doesn't even change that much from what the narrative has been with this Montreal Canadiens power play for most of the year. It's that their power play sucks, and they are they are also maybe more dangerous on the penalty kill than they are on the power play, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> um, Devin, you wanted to, to add something there? To be honest with you, I kind of forgot what I was going to say. Oh, I was like, it's like a I liked, but. Was it maybe about the Mark Bergevin comment that White was saying? He was saying like Mark Bergevin having the hold on the team. He made, he made that call, that, that like, that stupid challenge, which then put the Habs down another man. When he's like, look, that's goalie interference. When like, you know, you see like he points to the thing. So I think he made that call to Ducharme. He's like, please, please challenge this. And then it didn't work. So, so maybe I'll pose this question. If uh, the Habs lose the next game, if they're out in five, do you think Bergevin's gone? Uh, who, who can speak? Who's a GM that can speak French? I don't, I don't think, he, I think he's safe. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the, also yeah. the, it's the dumbest rule. <laughs> like, 
you have to make sure that you're speaking French, like you can speak French. Like, I just feel like it, it, it takes a lot of their, a lot of their like um, candidates just out. Well, because GM, GM Patrick Waugh. <laughs> oh my goodness, please. Yes, that would be a... <laughs> Uh, I would love that actually, but just for pure entertainment value. But like, I think Bergevin is like he's. I think he's fine. What, uh, yeah, Devin? I can't. I can't see them getting rid of him. Just simply like Wyatt said, I don't know who the replacement would be, but I do think they could use like a fresh look in there, um, in front of office. Um, one of the the thing that I was going to comment on before was like, what Ducharme is kind of doing has baffled like a lot of the Montreal sort of analysts who you hear talking as well. And they just don't have an idea of what the identity of the team is or what the actual lines are because he's switching them like every single night. And it doesn't seem like they have like any kind of consistency or chemistry. So that could be affecting the team as well. Like, I don't even really have an understanding of who the Montreal Canadiens are, what their style of play is. And I kind of think that that's, I don't know, to a degree necessary, like with the Leafs, you know who they are, like they're a puck possession team. And like, they maybe, maybe like their identity, they beat it to death too much, but like all the players are on the same page. They know what they're doing in the style of game that they're playing. There's a system there. And I think you need, maybe more of an identity and a, and also maybe a, a system in Montreal to make that work. But yeah. Yeah. And I agree with all of that, but I also do not want to get ahead of myself. Um, <laughs> the, Leafs have, <laughs> the Leafs have played really well, but yeah, I'm, I'll believe it when I see it. And I do not want to give this series to the Leafs right now. Um, I think that's a good point. Cause we're talking like it's over and it's not. Yeah. Like what, what's happened before to, to lead you to this? Like they're like, what has happened? I'm not revisiting any of my <laughs> darkest memories right now with you wide on this podcast. I, it's no, no one wins from listening to my agony right now. So uh, maybe we can give our picks for um, best player of the game from this most recent game and uh, best player of the series for the Jets Oilers series after. So uh Devin, who do you think is your your best player for the for the game we just watched? Oh, um, I guess Jack Gamble. I mean, he got the shutout. Um, there was, I mean, it's tough. So many players played super well, but there, like, in the first period when Price basically was a brick wall, we had like some really good chances in the first probably some of our best chances to be honest with you. And I was concerned that like, okay, well, if they just, if Montreal just gets one, then, you know, how are we going to beat price? But Jack Campbell, um, just, I don't know. He's been doing it every, every game. He's letting in two or less, you know, and tonight he got a shutout. So I guess I'll give him the first star. Okay. And I guess I probably should have called this the Pierre Maguire monster of the game thing because that's what we did last time and i feel like that changes the parameters a little makes it a bit more fun because you can say more outlandish picks but uh wyatt who's your pierre mcguire monster for the last game it clearly is alex galchenyuk <laughs> like what 
like, what were you watching the game? <laughs> like, he, he was like, oh, this is Montreal. I used to play for them. I'm going to torch them and I'm going to disrespect them so much. And he looks like a homeless person. He's just killing it so much. It's amazing. He, when you have, was it Marner, Matthews, and I think Riley had zero points this game, didn't they? And then having him step up like that just shows the depth of the Leafs, Leafs which I think is uh, bodes well for the for the future when um, when you re- when you don't need let's say two players to always score, you have other people to step up and to actually contribute. So obviously Galchenyuk. Yeah, I think he was probably going to be my pick, but I'll go with a different guy. Um, Jason Spezza was looking pretty sweet out there he was flying making sweet passes under duress like he basically like you said he basically banked that puck off joe thornton and into the net so um yeah he had a great game um yeah maybe we'll go for our uh player of the series for oilers jets and why it all i'll kick it off with you since you're the the jets expert ah uh, that's a good one um i think i think it has to be hellebuck like I, I think he had a nine fifty eight save percentage, like just ridiculous. It, like he was so good, and I think there was a big reason why like he was just rock solid, and the Jets could uh, leave, I guess, a couple of people open, and like he didn't let in any really awful goals. Um, and then he kept the team in it, and then they came storming back. So when you need him to be good in OT, he was amazing. So. I think Hellebuck would be the the winner there. Yeah. At first, I didn't believe you when you said 958 save percentage. I was like, but he had some like games where you're letting four goals and three goals. There's no way, but it, he has a 958 save percentage in the playoffs. Boop. That's insane. Um, yeah. Well deserved, Hellebuck. Devin, what do you think? Yeah. I didn't watch many of the games, but <laughs> I just kind of, yeah, I watched some of the highlights in Hellebuck and definitely in game four as well because. I had no idea what happened when I was watching these highlights and I was like, I wonder if they swept them. And when it was going into OT, I was just like, well, Halibuck's going to have to stand on his head here and like hold the minute. And he made some pretty clutch saves there. Um, and I kind of feel like if he didn't just stand on his head, like throughout those overtimes and seal the deal that, you know, here you're obviously throwing Edmonton a lifeline and the series could have dragged on quite a bit longer if you gave Edmonton any kind of sign of life. Yeah, that's very fair. I'll, I'll pick something different. I got to go with Blake Wheeler. I mean, he took a puck to his dick and <laughs> he was the captain that every captain aspires to be. Like a lot of captains will like metaphorically take a puck to the dick by having to deal with the tough questions during a presser afterwards, but he took a literal puck to the dick. So, (laughs) and then played 36 minutes and was just instrumental in that whole victory for them. So I've got to give it to Blake. He's much maligned after the season based on his analytics and advanced stats and how he's been, his line has been porous defensively, but he really seems to have stepped it up in that round in the playoffs, just from what, just from the eye test. I mean, I can look at the analytics and they're probably not great, but uh, from the eye test, Blake Wheeler is definitely my player of the series. He, he just looks faster and he looks, he looks like he's like fully healthy. I think he, I think they said he was playing with cracked ribs at the start of the year, which is why he looked like 65 years old. So (laughs) like, that makes sense. But like, like, why don't you just take, like, I guess he's such a gamer that he didn't even want. He's like, if I can play, I'm going to play. 
So, which could be detrimental, but I guess that's like the playoff mentality of like, if I can still skate, I'm still going to play. doesn't matter like how broken my foot is. Right. So like, didn't priest uh, Patrice Bergeron play with like a punctured lung? Yeah. <laughs> like, Eric Carlson played with like a broken foot and was the best player in the playoffs. <laughs> like, yeah, so, it's crazy what guys do. It doesn't yeah, make so, sense. Yeah. I, I love, and yeah, I think like he's just leading by example, which is like, which is sweet. And like, he's just making all those, all those, like he's playing defense really well, like, which is just weird for me to say, like he's staying with like, like getting in the lanes and like blocking out McDavid and stuff like that. Like it, it was, it was weird to see them like, play with like a fire lit under them which is kind of cool so i i'm i really hope uh, i really hope that they keep it up and like i'm only afraid that like they played so well and then like when they played nashville and they just destroyed nashville and then they played vegas and just got whipped because like all their energy was into that one series so i really hope they can sustain it and go a little bit deeper well yeah me too unless they're playing the leafs but uh <laughs> All I got to say is go Leafs go. Thanks for, for doing this post game podcast with me guys. Do you have any last words? Go Jets go. Woo! Sweep. Have fun. 67 minute Darnell nurse. Woo! <laughs> Granger. We'll see you next round, Wyatt. Oh, look at this. Oh, <laughs> Granger 